Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Christy Code Red Nickel. Welcome, Christy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've never actually had anybody go like this, Code Red Nickel. (laughs) People just know me as Christy Code Red. Yeah, and uh, that's a new one for me, and I can't wait to hear about this because I think your, your whole life is fascinating. So why don't we start with a little bit of background and kind of tell us how you got to where you are now. You've had an incredible career, and I'm just like beyond impressed and in awe, actually, of what you've accomplished. Oh, thank you. Um, Yeah, I created a nutrition program that enables people to lose 10% of their body weight every month without shakes, pills, diet foods, or exercise. It's based around real food, water, and sleep. And this all got started because I was raised poor in the mountains of Northern Idaho. My dad was a cop. My mom worked for minimum wage. We were, I was raised on a big ranch and we just had no money, three girls. And so when I graduated high school and I wanted to go to college, I was paying my way through nursing school and I was broke, 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 broke. And I was waiting tables. I was bartending and I was um, competing in bodybuilding competitions. And somebody had said to me, um, you know, you should take a boxing class. And so I didn't even know anything about boxing. I'm not interested in boxing, never been in a fight or anything. Well, I was taking a boxing class at a local YMCA and a boxing instructor was actually watching me through the window. And he said, how long have you been boxing? I said, 44 minutes. And he said, you have a propensity to be a good fighter. Well, now that I'm a coach, I understand what that means, but I didn't care. And I said, whatever, pal. And he said, you should fight. And I said, I'm not even close to being interested in fighting. I'm trying to put myself through nursing school. Nobody's helping me. I'm broke. I'm scraping by. And he said, you could earn money to fight legitimately a federally licensed boxing a boxer that would, would fight in sanctioned matches. So I spent the next seven, eight years of my life just fighting for a living, literally fighting for my dinner. I had no idea it would turn into what it did. I had no idea. I became one of the top three most dangerous females on the planet. I had 15 pro fights, two world titles, five knockouts. I've never been knocked out or knocked down. I fought all over the world. I had my own MTV show. I had multiple uh, magazine covers and, and because in boxing, if you're pretty and you can fight, then you get more fight opportunities. And so the problem was about 10 years ago, I started getting fat and I'm trained three to five hours a day and I'm an elite level world-class athlete and I'm starting to get fat. And I didn't understand that because all of us were, were taught, well, you just need to move more. Well, I'm moving a lot. I mean, I'm spending 300 miles a week on my road bike, riding all over the world through France and Italy and Switzerland. How can I'm in fantastic shape, but my gut was hanging down. My cellulite was sticking out. I had brain fog, stomach ache. I had IBS. Why is this happening to me? And I finally figured it out. I picked up Mark Hyman's book, Eat Fat, Get Thin. I read that and I, under, I, I heard this high fat diet and I was like, high fat, what is that? I, like so many people, did not know what that meant. I was taught the, the standard American diet. I was just taught to move more. I had no idea. I changed my diet. I lost the weight. I was overweight. I lost the weight. And I realized if exercise has nothing to do with weight loss, which it doesn't, which is one of the top three biggest lies in weight. In, in weight loss, then everybody can change your diet and lose weight, whether you're missing a leg or you're in a wheelchair. So I created the Code Red lifestyle and Code Red comes from my fighting name. At the time, my, my hair was uh, red and I was in nursing school. So my sister goes, you know, you got to have a fighting name. And I said, a fighting name. And she said, Christy Black Widow Nickel. No, no, no. <laughs> Christy code red code for medicine and red for your red hair code red. And it stuck and it was voted one of the best ring names in history. And I've kept it ever since. And it's been almost 20 years and it ha- it's been 19 years and I've just kept it. So everything I've ever done is code red. I don't do anything with exercise anymore. I just purely teach people how to lose weight without shakes, pills, diet foods, or exercise. Wow. That, that is amazing. Okay. I'm just curious, what is the program? Like, what do you teach? I mean, is it more like a keto based or just whole foods in general? Is it more carnivore? Like where, or is it a range? It's a little bit of a, a combination of everything. I've tried every diet out there myself and I know it works and I know it doesn't. I've had over 50,000 people come through my program and by trial and error, I completed this list of foods that we eat. We eat meat, vegetables, nuts, eggs, seeds, seafoods, and fat. We cut out all the sugar, the grains, most of the dairy. Uh, we cut out you know, any kind of Red Bulls, Diet Coke, any kind of wine, all alcohol. And basically it's, just, it's sure, it, we're, we're mitigating high levels of insulin. My target niche is women 
women in their 50s and 60s. Um, 98, 93% of all Code Red clients are women. Um, so I, I have a very, very specific niche that I target. I don't want anybody else. I want those women. No, I love them. I love the women going through menopause. <laughs> I love it. I mean, give them all, all those problems. I want them all. And so we get those high levels of insulin down because high levels of insulin drives disease. It drives it's, it's all kinds of problems. Um, we get people off their medications. So yeah, getting people off the sugar and the grains is job one, getting them to sleep, getting them on water, getting them off the wine, the diet Coke, the Red Bulls. Uh, it's, I, I think it's basic. And I think people try to make weight loss way too complicated. I totally agree with that. And it sounds very similar to, to my beliefs and basically our, the community I'm part of and my followers. So that's very awesome. And I love how you're addressing the sleep issue too, because that is huge. Do you also, I'm just out of curiosity. Do you um, put stress in that equation? Like, do you talk to your clients about how to manage the stress? Because that makes a huge difference too. People think that they gain weight because of stress. No, stress does not make you gain weight. Yeah, well, stress releases cortisol. No, yes, it does. But no, what's making you either stall or gain weight is because stress is causing you to lose sleep. It's causing you to emotionally eat. It's causing you to reach for the alcohol. It's causing you to make poor choices. So yes, we talk about stress and people say weight loss is all mental. I call bull crap on that. It is absolutely not all mental. You've got to have a clear plan. We have a very, I have a very strict plan and nobody gets to come on the code red lifestyle and argue with me and try to negotiate out of the rules. The list is very clear. You eat this, you don't eat that. And no ever do I want to see somebody skipping around the, the rules. The rules is you're, start, you're done eating by 6.30 p.m. The rules are that you have to have at least seven hours of sleep at night. Everybody drinks at least a gallon of water a day. The rules are the rules. And so the rules are in place to put safeguards in place to stop people from, from their bullcrap excuses and, and, and doing crap that they don't need. But then we also address emotional eating. We, we also address mm. dealing with your anxiety, your fear, your sadness, your anger on all the stuff with food. Food is not that food is not a reward. Food is not a punishment. Food is fuel. So we do address those things, but first and foremost, you got to clean out the cupboards and you got to have a plan in place. You got to have a reward system. You got to have an accounting accountability system and code red's got all those things in place. What would you consider to be a reward? A reward is a non-food item. Everybody's different. I mean, my reward would be uh, going for a massage or going for a manicure, pedicure. I mean, the majority of your listeners are women. I mean, women, we like to do things like that. But a lot of people don't reward themselves, and that's a problem. So anything that's non-food related, we've got to quit. I, I know people that go to Weight Watchers, and I'm, I mean, I'm not dogging on Weight Watchers. It works for some people, I guess. I don't like it because it doesn't mitigate the high levels of, of sugar. People can have anything they want as long as it fits in their points. It's a, it's a volume. It's a volume program. And they skirt around. They, they do the workaround. And so they will all go way in at the freaking church armory building thing. And then they'll all go out for Mexican food afterwards to celebrate their weight loss. That is absolute bull crap. You've got to quit doing that. Why do you think we have 88% of Americans are overweight, obese, metabolically sick? Because we're eating all the time for every single reason. So you've just got to pick something else it's always funny when we have people pick rewards for themselves. I, everybody's so funny. I'm like, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't reward myself with that. But to them, that's something that they, you know, I, I got a new ring. I got a new watch. I got a new a piece of clothing, you know, some, you know, a trip to the museum. I don't really care as long as it's something that you are following through with. I love that. For me, it was getting new clothes because I had uh, shrunk out of my clothes. And so each week, and I, I don't cheat anyway, but my husband would take me on uh, like Friday and I'd go buy one, two, sometimes more kind of depend piece of clothing to like revamp my wardrobe. And that was like a big, exciting thing every, every Friday, you know, that I got to have this new, new thing. And so I, I agree with you with the reward thing. I did not use food. I did not go out and say, okay, I could have this piece of cake now or whatever. I think that is crazy. We're in this mess. 
us because we don't got this. We like to say on Code Red, no, people are like, I got this, I got this. No, you don't got this. You have been 60, 70, 80 pounds overweight for decades. Your way ain't working. It's not working. And so that those old ways have got to stop. And people come to me and say, what does that mean? I can't have pizza and wine anymore. It's about changing your thinking. No, that's not what it means. It's about changing your thinking and changing. I can, but I don't want to. Do I want to re-put that, re-toxify and re-poison myself? Do I want to go through the headaches? Do I want to want to go through all that crap? No, I don't. And and so we really try to shift people. It's about the learning and the unlearning. <laughs> A lot of unlearning, unfortunately, because we've been bombarded by misinformation for so 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 many years, and we're so indoctrinated. I mean, like for fat, healthy fat, for instance. Oh sure. no, fat is bad. Fat is bad, bad, bad. Don't have it. And so for 40 years of my life, I ate margarine, seed oils, and you know, cut back. Everything was low fat. Yeah. How did that work out for me? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It got me over 240 pounds. I'll tell you that. And depressed and on medication and you know, issues. Not not a good thing. So yes. It's one of the top three biggest lies in weight loss is oh, that you, is yeah. that you need low fat to, to lose fat. And it's, it's absolutely, mm -hmm. it's making us the sickest and the fattest in human history. Okay. I already know what your attitude is about moderation, but for those people, I get comments continually. Oh, it's not good to cut out a group, you know, a, a certain foods, or you should be able to have anything in moderation. You just have to learn portion control. Hmm. And to that, I would say, how has that been working for you, Karen? It ain't working. Have you, have you looked years. around this country? There are 88% are metabolically sick. This means we are failing the markers of metabolic health. Uh, that, that it's not working. If moderation was working, you would not be sick and fat and on loads of medication and a CPAP and have no libido and be only wearing LuLaRoe leggings. This is not working. Moderation doesn't work for a recovering sugar addict. Uh, recovering drug addicts don't keep drugs in their cupboard. We cannot dabble in it. I used to be so heavily addicted to peanut M&Ms. I ate an entire pound every single night. I can't believe, I think back, I can't believe I did it. Do you think I keep the Costco size bag? Do you think I keep any peanut M&Ms in this house? No, and I'm El Jefe. I run this $10 million company. I'm supposed to be the leader of this whole revolution. I still don't even dabble in it. So there are some outliers out there who can do moderation. My mom is one of them. She does moderation, but obesity runs very bad in my dad's side of the family. Every single member of my dad's side of the family is obese. My sister lost 100 pounds on Code Red. I've been overweight. We cannot do moderation. I just, I've tried it. I can't do it. It doesn't work and it doesn't work for most people. Uh, that is what I've found after working with clients, my own personal experience for 40 years, the same exact thing. I agree with you. Okay. Let's hit another subject. What about calories in calories out? Calories are very important, right? Yeah, there are a lot of people in this space that uh, in, in the keto and the carnivore space uh, in the um this, you know, and, and in all kinds of space, you know, that you got the, you got the um, Ken Berry, which I'm a big fan of Ken and Nisha Berry. I met them both at a VIP uh, party at KetoCon. We were both speaking and, and, and you've got Jason Fung and you've got other people that like calories don't matter. That is bullcrap. Calories matter. Unfortunately, they do. You can't have copious amounts of blank and be okay with it. You're gonna, volume matters. And, and, the, the reality is you're going to have to bring down your calories if you want to lose weight and lose body fat. And I, I don't, and I don't, I, I listen to people who say that, that it doesn't matter. And I say, well, they ain't working with clients because somebody comes to me and pays a thousand dollars for a custom nutrition program, which they do, which we offer. They're expecting, if I say you can lose 10% of your body weight every month, they're expecting to lose that weight. If you do not bring the calories down, which you can on a high fat diet, you can get away with less, fewer calories because you're eating. So the, the, the calories per gram, anyway, you know, all that. So, but you have to do that. If people are not getting weight off of people, they're not going to keep coming to you. And those people, and I, I think cal calories don't matter. You're healing your body with those good choices of food. Yes, but you will not lose weight if the calories don't come down. It, I've tried it with myself. I've tried it with, with tens of thousands of clients. And those people that say that it doesn't matter, they're not really working with clients because it doesn't matter how, how great. You could be having a ribeye steak three times a day. 
And if you're eating too many calories, it, the bottom line is you will not lose weight. So I do bring the calories down for my weight loss clients. And when they enter back into maintenance, we do what's called reverse dieting. We start slowly adding calories in while also adding exercise and weight training in. And that's a part of maintenance. Maintenance is a much different, uh, a much different thing than weight loss. Weight loss, we just lose the weight then we transfer into maintenance. And so we don't want to keep calories low forever, but they absolutely matter. And there's just no way I've ever, I never would have been this successful for so many years and won multiple awards like the one behind me if I hadn't have been able to get weight off of people. And you got to bring the calories down. Yeah, I, you know, my, my whole thing is I do believe calories matter, but a calorie isn't a calorie. Correct. Like a not calorie of Snickers right. is not the same as a calorie of beef. So sure. that's the difference there. And I think also like when you address your hormones, like what you, you're talking about, the insulin levels coming down, then it's easier to have a caloric restriction, if you want to call it that naturally because your body naturally brings it down because I was never not, not one time was I hungry or hangry because I was eating too low of calories sure. because when I was weight watchers and all that crap, I was eating 800 to 1200 calories a day, period max. Right. Not good. So my question is, do you have a calorie amount that you feel nobody should get below regardless of if they're five foot tall or, or, you know, six foot tall, whatever. Yeah, I don't like discussing my proprietary formula of how I come up with people's calorie amount. Everybody is different. And I've got a 75-year-old lady coming to me who's five feet tall, and she only wants to lose 10 pounds. The, where I find the calorie really starts getting low, that I start getting nervous, is where I get the really old and the really short and already really small ladies that just want to lose a little bit more. And it's like, dear God, what am I going to do with this woman here? And so- <laughs> I don't want to drop the calories too low, but people, I don't like talking about calories because people don't understand a high fat diet on a high fat diet. It's different. You can get away with less, with fewer calories. And if you, people say, well, if I, can you eat, can you lose weight on a eating McDonald's three times a day? Yeah, actually you can. If you put yourself in a calorie deficit, you're going to feel like absolute dog poop. And so yeah, a thousand calorie steaks, thousand calorie Twinkies, completely different. But when it comes to certain, everybody's bio individual. And I get all kinds of people. I mean, I write roughly 250 custom programs a month and I write them all myself and every single person is different. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I keep them on only for a temporary amount of time um, when it comes to like a little bit low calories. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I, I did a series on my Instagram of what I eat in a day. And so I would show pictures and I would kind of break it down into the macros. It's not something I normally do, but I just did it for that. Cause I had so many people ask, well, what do you eat in a day? So I did that. And it kind of seemed like my calories ranged from like 14 to 18 and you know, on the 1400 calorie days, I was getting so many comments like you're not eating enough. You need to up your calories. You're not eating enough. You, you, you know, you need more, you need more fat. You need more that. And I'm like, I am completely satiated. I've been doing this a long time. And, you know, as I'm five foot two, I'm not active. I, I'm almost yeah. 55. I mean, it's I'm not going to need the same as somebody who's 20 and right. runs marathons and, you know, that right. kind of thing. So I'm like, yeah. yeah. It's, you're almost asking for trouble when I have a series on my YouTube channel called what do I eat? And I just show people what I eat. And every time, if I show somebody a ribeye steak, which I eat ribeye all, literally almost every day. And they'll, I mean, they freak out if, if it's not exactly what they think it's almost just detrimental on social media, unless you're going to show people a hundred percent of everything. If you show people a portion, right. oh, Lord, it's a mess. like a snapshot. A snapshot. Right. And I mean, you eat more than I get to, I don't eat that much and I don't get to, but I have 40 pounds of body fat on me. I just had my body fat tested. I'm 25% body fat. I have 118 pounds of muscle and 40 pounds of fat on me. I was at 158 pounds and 
it's a lot of muscle, but it's a lot of fat. And so I say, well, thank you, grandma. Like this is a lot of body fat that I am not, a, I'm not at risk of starving anytime soon. We say on code red ain't nobody going to die from skipping a meal. So believe me, thank you, grandma. I have plenty of body fat to fuel me. So if I cut, if I go a little low on calories, believe me, and people just don't understand that. So I don't even go down that rabbit hole on social media. It's always a mess. That's for sure. And do you believe that there is a um, certain amount of fat that you should kind of stay in the range of? Yeah. Code Red believes in a 60-30-10. So oh, okay. during weight loss, we do 60% of our calories coming from fat, 30% uh, of our calories coming from protein, and 10% coming from carbs. And that's net carbs. So when with when I, when I believe, I believe the carnivore diet is absolutely incredible. I think that an animal-based diet is what we were was created to eat as, as a species. And that is a species-specific diet, the proper human diet. But- if you take an average American from the standard American diet and trying to take them out of carnivore, right. they cannot do it. They, they, most of them, 99.9% .9 of the time, uh, cannot do it. So taking them to code red and then stepping them down a carnivore, if they choose to go that route is, is kind of what we do. So if people, um, we keep them at 60% fat during weight loss and then 30% protein, 10% carbs. We dump those carbs down, not as low as the keto diet, because we believe that keeping the fat at 60% instead of 75, it allows more room in the diet for a little more variety, a little more nuts, a little more. Some people like yogurt. Ugh. I mean, I'd yeah, rather me use either. my calories on something else. I mean, give me, oh, literally, God, yes. give me, me a, a ribeye steak, give me some shrimp, anything else, but yogurt, but me it, too. <laughs> With that little bit of variation with the bringing the fat down to 60, we don't go below 60. That allows for people to have a little more variety. I tell you, there's, I mean, I have thousands of people on my program and they are a bunch of whiners sometimes, a bunch of whiners. Christy, I need more variety. I'm just like, which one do you want, Karen? You want variety? You want to ask for the seatbelt extender? Do <laughs> the work. Love it here. Bam. No excuses, buddy. No. Not having it. How bad do you want to be thin? <laughs> I mean, are you sick enough of being fat? But they complain, 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 complain. So it, it is it, the 60, 30, 10. I found the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah. That that's honestly, that's kind of more what I do as if I don't have the carbs part, mm -hmm. but uh, my fat's probably like at 65% average. And of course I was told that was way too low, but whatever it works for me. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it works for me. I've been doing this a while, so, you know, yeah. whatever. And I even did a little CGM experiment. I was just curious what, yeah. you know, yeah. it, my glucose, just, just make sure that, you know, where I was at, my diet was up, bam. And Good. the dietitian was like, wow, you know, I can tell that you're insulin sensitive Good. by the way your food is reacting and stuff like that. So I'm pretty happy with that. Yay. That was very valuable, by the way. Have you yes. ever had any of your clients yes. do that? Uh, yeah. No, no, we no. don't do that. We keep things, uh, very simple very on simple. code red. I did it and NutriSense asked me to be an affiliate with them. And, and I, Oh, I mean, we're talking about these guys. My average client is trying to raise three kids, take care of their elderly mm -hmm. mother-in-law to walk their dog and work full-time outside the home. I found the CGM to be too confusing <laughs> for my average person. <laughs> and I, I just, the, the analyzing the data, way too much data, way too granular. Ah, uh, not for my clientele, maybe for Paul Saladino's clientele or for, for, or somebody else like that, nah, not for my people. They just, they're just trying to keep their head above water, pay bills and get, get, get their son through college. It's just too much. Okay. Let's get a little bit into menopause because I'll be entering that so far. I'm not there yet, according to a blood test, but um, very close. Talk a little bit about the menopause age and what, what kind of challenges do you face dealing specifically with the, the women that you do? When we, when our clients come, as far as the menopause age, my gosh, I mean, we, we have the standard age that people just seem, seem to enter into menopause, but we don't really know. Everybody's so really mm -hmm. different. It's kind of whatever, ever happened to your mom. And, but my mom's not healthy. Is that mean, and I'm healthy. Is that mean I'm going to follow in her foot, footsteps? When we get women coming on to code red, they are a mess with menopause symptoms. I mean, absolutely the hot flashes, the night sweats, they're all over the map. Their emotions are a wreck. They've got fat accumulating on the back of their arms and hanging off their gut and the back of their thighs. They've got their estrogen dominant. Their estrogen is through the roof. They're projecting 
progesterone's in the toilet, they're a mess. And so they want to go right to a, a, a hormone doctor, you know, Christy, beep, boop, boop, you know, oh my gosh, who can you send me to? And I said, well, hold on, Karen. The first thing we do, job one is getting your diet under control. And so with them just changing to the proper human diet, eliminating processed food and sugar and grains and getting their insulin levels down, 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 getting them to where their, their fasting glucose is under a hundred, getting them down to where they're insulin sensitive. Then once, and then even, even that, even their diet could mitigate this diet could mitigate those high levels of estrogen. In most cases it does. In most cases we want to get that estrogen, that progesterone, even we don't want a, a too much estrogen, too low of progesterone. Sometimes even after a while on code red, even after staying true to the program, their as their progesterone is still down too low. So an exogenous pro progesterone is sometimes needed or a cream or a pill or something. And that's totally fine. But nine times out of 10, we can get them completely turned around just from their diet, just from their sleep, just from it, it, when I say sleep, just getting them to do a cool, dark room, getting their, their, turn their, their air conditioning on and make sure that sucker is no warmer than 66 six degrees in that room or 19 degrees Celsius for my Canadian people listening. And so you, and then darken those shades and blue light blocking glasses and a, a clean your room. No kids, no pets on the bed. I mean, the, just getting those things, you would be amazed at what you can do without medication and you don't have to live like this. And so right away, we clean up the diet right away. We get them sleeping right away. We get them drinking water and right then we can see an immediate incredible improvement with menopause symptoms. Okay. You kind of said nine out of 10, you, you feel, so you feel that like about 90% of yeah. your clients can actually get this under control without yes. resorting to medications, medications. or hormone yeah. replacement. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of somebody off the top of my head, like who had, who had, to, cause I have a nurse practitioner kind of on, on standby for people that I send to her to get their hormones tested and get regulated. And I'm thinking, when was the last time I sent anybody to Susan? I thought, gosh, I mean, uh, uh, cause I get a percentage, I get a percentage of whatever they, you know, I, I get a kickback and yet I haven't Don't had have anybody any, to you know, kick back. <laughs> I haven't had anybody to have to, you know, like, and so it really is. It really is incredible what your what your diet can, but we don't talk about this. Doctors don't, the traditionally medically trained doctor is not, is really a pill for every ill kind of a paradigm. The traditional paradigm, the medical paradigm is flawed when it comes to this kind of thing. They just want to treat it with medications. And that's just like, uh, that's not going to do you any good unless your diet's in order. Ugh. A hundred percent. Yes. And you mentioned nurse practitioner, which reminded me, I wanted to go back to you going to nursing school. Did you ever finish? I finished. Yeah. But I never got an yeah. RN. Really? I Why? I, my fighting career took off and I okay. just, when I became one of the top fighters in the world and I, and I was on MTV and I was on TV walking the red carpet and all this attention. And I just said, you know, like, what, what am I, I don't want to do. I don't want to do that. I want to do this. And and then this, and then this took off. And so I never did need to be a nurse. And now, I mean, I don't, I definitely, I love nurses. My sister is the COO of code red and she's an MSNRN and she medically screens all the programs that come through to make sure that they are uh, medically able to do our program. Cause a lot, we, we have people drink a lot of water and we want to make sure nobody's got any heart issues or anything. And so she, and I'm just obsessed with nurses and I'm like, I, I love, I don't know what it is. I love them. I love them. I love nurses, but I, I never did. And now I'm thankful I didn't. I mean, the, Oh. I'm, I love, I love code red code reds. It's, it's growing by every quarter. We're, we're getting bigger. I'm able to reach way more people this way. If I was stuck in the medical paradigm, it would be frustrating. Cause I know those nurses, I mean, most nurses are overweight and they have health problems because they've been taught wrong in nursing school. And I yep. would have been taught wrong too. And I would have had to follow what they said. So, so true. So you come, you come up with your program based on experience mm -hmm. and what you found works or doesn't work. And so at what point did you kind of look at things and go, all that crap that we've been told is a bunch of BS. Where did it really hit you? 
it hit me in the very beginning when I read Mark Hyman's book and it went against everything I've ever learned. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I took a step back. I started reading, uh, reading more books. I started reading, reading the wheat belly diet, grain brain, other books mm-hmm. where I'm like, wait, 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 are you serious about this? This is completely, this is industry driven. This is lobbyists that are making sure that, that they've got their, the food pyramid completely flawed. I mean, and I, and I started to, and I started going to seminars and workshops and I started to, to do, uh, to see, out the wisdom of other of other people that were smarter than me and saying, wait a minute, can I can I shadow you? You know, can I can I uh, apprentice with you? I want to learn this, and it's it's amazing because educational. I mean, I I don't have the education to be able to do what I do. Yet I've written several books. They're very good, and I somehow the way I say it to people, I am definitely not reinventing the wheel. But somehow the way I say it to people, the penny drops in, and definitely trial and error. I mean, fifty thousand people plus coming through my program. I've learned like cheese. For example, I used to let people have cheese and people would not lose weight. I used to let people have cheat meals and people would not lose weight. And finally, I just said, wait a minute, I can't have this. I can't have someone pay me all this money to lose weight and they're not losing weight. So I just took cheese out of the diet. So I've learned a lot along the way of what works and what doesn't. And it's completely trial and error. And people don't care. Like they don't say, well, Christy, you're not an MD. I know a ton of MDs that come to me. <laughs> people send their MDs, send their clients to me. I'm getting weight off people better than anybody is. Nobody gets weight off people better than I do. But I, I am militant and I am a hard charger and this tough love approach, it works if people know that you love them. And so it's, it, I don't seem qualified on paper and it's, it's like, how are you even doing this? I'm telling you, it doesn't make any sense to me, but somehow, some way we're spreading the message of hope and healing and people don't care. They're like, what can you do for me, Christy? Can you help me? I have 80 pounds to lose my medications, my CPAP, my libido's in the toilet. What can I do? Yeah. I mean, I've helped all, all of other ladies like you I mean do the program you'll be in good shape do you have them do activity at all like you kind of said you've stepped away from the physical training part of it um do you what do you tell them do you do you recommend they do anything or you just don't even approach that subject during weight loss, I don't approach the subject. Uh, people, uh, they are really hung up. It is the number one biggest lie in weight loss that you have to exercise in order to lose weight. And it's simply not true. But it's like getting pregnant. If you exercise when you were, were when you got pregnant, then the doctor is fine with you continuing to exercise. But you don't want to start exercising when you get pregnant. That's not what the doctor wants you doing. So same thing with Code Red. If you've been exercising this whole time, I mean, I just went to CrossFit this morning, Amber. My class is full of fat athletes. I was a fat athlete uh, and yet they're strong. They're pulling a 405 deadlift. They're doing a 195 overhead snatch. It's beautiful. They are asking for the seatbelt extender. So when, where was I going with? Oh, so exercise does not have anything to do with, with weight loss. So when people come to me and they're like, I've been doing CrossFit five days a week, that's fine, Karen, keep doing it if you want, but I'm, but eating for weight loss and eating for performance is as far as the East is from the West. So I'm, you came to me for weight loss. I'm, I, you can't add in more calories because you did, because you did a, a CrossFit class this morning. No, sorry. So I don't even talk about it. I don't address it. If they want to, we love when people move their body, but movement and exercise is different. People say, I walk my dog. I exercise. No, you don't Karen. You move. That's all you do. Like, and so I, when someone says I exercise, I exercise, I always ask them exactly what do they do? Like, like what's your heart rate at? What, how many minutes were you in zone two? You know, like, what are you doing really? And they all think they burn more than what they do too. So Mm. I'm really like, ah, give me quantifiable data, but, and if they want to exercise, they're totally fine. They need to understand they're going to be hungry. They're probably not going to be able to PR like they've been doing, but it doesn't matter. We're eating for weight loss. And that's very different than what they've been doing. That, that ain't working anyway. Exactly. That, that's, that was me. I mean, I, me like I said, I was eating like 800 calories cause, and I was working out in the gym six days a week, two to five hours a day. And that was a lot of cardio, but it was also a lot of weight stuff too. Free weights, as well as the machines and uh, the body pump type classes, all that. I did it all. I went to four different gyms. So there, how much less could I eat? How much more could I move? And I mean, I still had a good 30 pounds or so to lose. And it's like, I thought there was something wrong with me. So I kept cutting out more and more fat. I kept lowering my calories more to, you know, where I was 800 and I, I just couldn't do any less than that. I mean, I was already starving and 
hangry and miserable and not very healthy. Yeah, that's, that's not good. I would, and I, and I get people sometimes that come to the program that are chronic over exercisers. And I'm always, I call them up whenever I get that rare case, I actually beep, boop, boop on the phone and say, Hey, Sally, Christy code red. They freak out. Oh my gosh, Christy's calling me. And I'm like, listen, I don't know if you know what you're getting yourself into. Like we need to talk about this body dysmorphic power, this problem, like you're addicted to exercise. Is this a form of purging that you're using? I mean, what are you doing? Oh, it makes me feel good. Well, I mean, you got to take it down a notch. You're beating up your adrenals. Like this is not good. You're, you're, well, I'm a runner. Oh God. I mean, so usually it's a real conflict when people try to come to code red and they want to argue with me about, uh, but I just burned 500 calories. I get to eat more. That's not how this works. You got to eat the way that I tell you to eat. Yikes. Yes. And I, I believed that at one time I know better now, but I did believe that. And that's what I followed. And I'm obsessive anyway. And when I tackle something, it's 150%, never less either zero or that no in between. And so I, you know, between the cutting the food and the upping the exercise, just get on out of my way. Cause I was going to do it, but I just can't imagine what damage I did. <laughs> you know, but well, adrenals okay. are pretty tough. They're pretty tough little things and they can bounce back. So I, I don't think, Good I don't thing. know. I don't, yeah. I, I hope you didn't do any, but I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're fine and very healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Doing much better. So it's all good now. Um, okay. I want to hit a little bit on the dairy. You said you mentioned cheese and I have a lot of people who are just, they get bent out over dairy. What do you mean? Especially, you know, carnivore diet, technically it's, it's part of carnivore, right? If you can have it and they get really bent out. Like, I don't have any issue with dairy. So what's the issue with having it in? And I'm not saying don't ever have dairy. I'm, I'm not saying that, but why do you say not to have the cheese? What, why, what, what is behind that? The pro to dairy is it is a source of fat. I would argue that it's not a good source of fat. We no longer produce the enzyme lactase after the age of five to be able to break down lactose. We're the only species that drinks milk of another species, and we're the only species that drinks milk after we've been weaned. We were never created to continue drinking milk. It was made to fatten up baby calves. It was made to fatten up, uh, you know, we're mammals, and we're, we're they, it was made to fatten us up, and then we were not supposed to have it afterwards. And so, what we're finding is more than two thirds of this nation cannot metabolize dairy. They cannot metabolize lactose. And, and I found it to be problematic in, in my community as well. Um, what I, what I have found is that if people, I give them a little bit of cream cheese and cottage cheese, I, I allow them to have cream cheese and cottage cheese. I have not found that to be problematic. The problem with letting them have uh, cheese, cheese, like off the Tillamook cheese block, you know, like the government cheese back when we were kids and I was poor. I mean, we got that big, it was like this big, it was like size of my forearm. They, they, it's, it's easy to overeat. I mean, one ounce of, of cheese is 110 calories and you can stand there with the refrigerator door open and slice off five cheat five slices and just eat it like that. Well, you'll wreck your diet with, with, it's just too easy to overeat and cream cheese and cottage cheese. Nobody really gets out of control. Heavy cream, they, people will argue with me as well. They'll say, well, it, it, but it's, it helps get my fat percentage up. Well, it's calorie dense and it's, it's hard to metabolize. It, it ends up being inflammatory for most people. And so what I've, I've never actually had somebody reach goal weight while still consuming dairy products. Hmm. Eventually as they get four or five pounds from goal, they have to, they have to cut it out. I haven't seen people. And so I really tried to get people uh, switched over to a non-dairy. I have an affiliate partnership with nut pods and it's a, mm -hmm. it's a non-dairy mm -hmm. uh, uh, creamer for your coffee or tea, zero carbs, zero sugar, 10 calories per tablespoon. I comes in a lot of different flavors. I think it's perfectly fine. I made the switch. I think people are habituated to feeling crappy. They, they get that anytime I go to Starbucks and I get a black coffee with steamed heavy cream, I feel like crap afterwards and I pay $2 and 36 for this. And I, I, I go and I taste so good in the moment, in the moment. It's so good. It's so creamy. And then afterwards I go, Oh man, 
Oh, Christy. And I, 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 I gas. I don't have that ever. And I go, why do you do this to yourself? Why do you? Cause I want to go see my friends over at Starbucks and I love those guys in there and I love the way the coffee tastes. So it's a hard habit to break, but understand that when you're used to feeling like crap and then you cut out that dairy, do the experiment yourself, give yourself 30 days, no dairy. And just, you might feel so freaking amazing, but you've always felt bad. So you didn't know what the other side felt like once you cut out the dairy and your brain fog and your stomach it goes away and you've got normal poops and stuff, you might go, oh, geez, I'm one of the two thirds of the Americans that can't metabolize dairy. Oh, yes. But boy, is that a triggering subject. And you know what? It another sure subject that's very triggering is coffee. What is your take on coffee? Do you think it's okay? Or, you know, yeah. On Code Red, we allow people to, to drink coffee. I'm a big fan of Paul Saladino. I met him at the same VIP party at KetoCon in 2019. I love that guy. And we talk often and I, and I, I think he's great. He is adamantly against coffee and he brings up a lot of great points, but I'm not, it's, it's a, it's not a bridge I'm going to die on. I'm not going to force my rebels to not have it. And it, there's not enough compelling. If I'm, I'm not going to ask people to give up something I don't want to give up. And I love <laughs> my morning coffee. I really do. And I think um, I allow my clients to have two cups because about 350 milligrams is about right. And we don't really want to go over too much because we don't want to beat up the adrenals. And what I noticed that too much coffee cuts into the water drinking and people will just have coffee all day. If they're allowed to, I would be one of them. And I have to put safeguards in place to, to, to stop myself from save myself from me. And I say two cups, Christy, that's it. Enjoy it. And then gets, you know, and we have rules. The rebel has to have an entire bottle of water down before their first cup of coffee. So you got to put safeguards in place because we all love our coffee, but I do allow people to have two cups a day. Okay. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the way I feel about it too. And I do think, you know, it's a good thing to have good quality coffee versus, you know, your typical, you just buy in the store coffee, but I mean, that's what I use, but you know, I do think there is some benefit to a higher quality, you know, the mold, I, I've, the pesticides. Right. And I've read that too, but I've never noticed it. Somebody not able to lose weight because they have a poor quality coffee and it's just not a bridge I'm going to die on. I'm like, I'm just trying to get people weight off of people. That's kind of a biohack almost that kind of like lops over into biohacking and the people that are just trying to get that 1% a little bit mm. better. It's great. If you can buy a better quality coffee from Laird or from another company source that sources really good beans, but it's just not something that I want to put the brain energy into. I don't blame you. I, I agree with you there. A hundred percent. I think if, if people are having health issues, that's a different story. And right. some people do have to cut out like everything itself for like meat. And uh, I'm not that person. Thank goodness. And I, I checked it with my CGM. It did not spike my glucose. Some people claim it does. It did not me. So <laughs> I still have my coffee. So there you go. That's why we test don't <laughs> guess. That was good. That, that yes. That. Yes. That's exactly right. So now I know, I, I know a lot of information now yes. that I didn't know prior. So it, it's, it's awesome. Um, okay. So emotional eating, let's talk a little bit about that. And, and one of the thing, and also cravings, uh, like triggering your cravings. Like for instance, I found that with a lot of people, dairy can uh, trigger a like a binge or, you know, wanting more like carbs and sugar, because, you know, it does have the sugar in it. And for some people, even that can trigger issues. And then you have, of course, the emotional eating, eating, you know, for different reasons than you're hungry. Talk so a little bit about that. Yeah. Emotional eating is a big thing that we, um, that we deal with a few years ago, my dad's an LCPC, a licensed counselor, and he created a, a course for us called what's eating you. And it's a five part digital course. And when I was watching it, he completed the course and it was sent to me to be approved so we could start selling it. And I learned so much from that. I was like, that's me. I can't believe it. So most people are emotional eaters. And then some people just are bored and then some people just don't care. And so people like, to say, well, I'm emotionally eating, but are you really, or are you bored? And are you just don't care? You know, is being fat, not hurt bad enough, or you just want that, you know? So what we say to our rebels is job one is cleaning out your cupboard. You cannot keep captain crunch 
in the cupboard. You cannot keep goldfish crackers or Ritz crackers or Haagen-Dazs ice cream or anything, any kind of junk food, because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you are going to be triggered and you are going to go to it. Me, I know, and what I learned from my dad's course, What's Eating You, is that I learned what my triggers are. So my triggers are, uh, if i got to fire an employee, we've got 50 to 60 employees at Code Red. That's never an easy thing for me. And, uh, oh, taxes. Uh, Code Red's a $10 million company. I pay my fair share in taxes. And let me tell you, when, so, when I get it, when I see that Bing come in on my email and it's from my tax accountant, I mean, I can feel it. I can feel it coming up inside of me. And I go, <gasps> you know, and I, and I, like a zombie, I walk right to the fridge. And I'm like, no, Christy, no, no, no. So knowing your triggers and putting safeguard, like stop. So if your trigger is your mother-in-law, you don't get along with her. And every time you, she wants to come over and see the kids, you know, to her, her grandkids, you go right for the, the big, even the big bucket of cashews. That is a trigger. So maybe instead you guys go meet in the park away from food. So it's important to know your triggers. And then second step is mm -hmm. to make sure you put safeguards in place to prevent you from being able to, like I hired a CFO. He handles all the tax stuff. I don't have to do it. And if I do have to have a meeting, I go to the guy's office. I'm not around my own food because it doesn't matter if it's all keto and code red food. It's salamis in there. I'll eat the entire package. I'll go face down in a, in a bucket of cashews. Or, or whatever. It doesn't seem to matter what the food is. I'll eat without thinking about it. It's a, it's a, a way to cope. And it's a way to try to temporarily make yourself so uncomfortable that you forget about whatever you're upset about. And so we want people cleaning out their cupboards because you're, and, and we have a rule in code red that no matter what the top three rules for the rest of your life is you always get on the scale every morning. You always drink your water every day and you never allow sugar to stay in your house. And people are like, well, what about my five-year-old granddaughter's birthday party? Okay, you want to have cupcakes is fine. But that last cupcake either goes to your neighbor, John, it goes in the garbage or it goes with that last kid that's leaving. You can't keep sugar in the house for a recovering sugar addict. You will walk by it 50 times. But on that 51st time, you're going to say... <laughs> how good was I was walking by this. I have turned this down all day long. I'm going to reward myself with the cupcake and you'll lick the top and then you'll end up. It's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. You cannot trust yourself. So we emotional eating is a real serious problem, but you've got to put safeguards in place to prevent it from happening. Amen. And that's one of the things that I work with more than anything with my clients that I, I've found that that is just like the biggest issue. And if you don't address that, you don't know why you do what you do. How can you change your behavior? How can you change your relationship with food? You know, I, th I think it's just such a huge thing. My problem is when people say, I just can't stop emotionally eating. And I say, what are you eating? I had Haagen-Dazs. You mean you drove down to the 7-Eleven and got it? No, it's in my freezer. There's the first problem. And that's my, I don't like that when I say, what did I tell you to do? I already told you that before you started this program, you got to clean out your cupboards. So of course, let me tell you, I am super strong and I've been doing code red forever and I can't even turn it down. So what are you doing? So that's, that's my big problem is if they're, they're, they've got it in their house. It's your, you've got the deck stacked against you. If it's in your house. I agree with that. And even Dr. Ken Berry says, if you have it in your house, eventually you're going to eat it. It's human nature. Yeah. No matter how good you think you are, eventually, if it's in your face enough, just like with an alcoholic, I mean, are you going to just yep. have wine ballers kind of sit out on the cabinet for to look at it every day. That's dumb. That's just dumb. So it's the same thing. And that's what I try to tell my clients too, is you got to get that out. Now, what kind of tips can you give somebody who lives with a person who is very unwilling to change their diet? So they still want their chips. They want their candy. They want blah, blah, blah. What tips can you give the more you work with women, women who are in that situation? I've talked about this um, multiple times. I've got videos on my YouTube channel about this. So this is a big problem. This is a subject that everybody asks about and it's legit. First thing is consider it from your husband's point of view. You have tried and failed so many diets <laughs> and you have spent hundreds and even thousands of dollars on failed diets. You've, you've gotten the shakes, the pills, the dehydrated food that all you needed to do was to add water. You got the Weight Watchers. You did the Jenny Craig. You did the Nutrisystem because Marie yep, Osmond yep. looks so great in her Spanx. Yep, yep. Like I, I, I don't blame the guy for being like, whoa, listen, we all don't like we're, we're sick of your bull crap, you know? And so I kind of get that side. The other side of this, of this is you are 50, 50 owner of this house. So you got to have a, you got to have a talk with your, with your spouse and you, your partner and say, listen, 
this is what I'm going to try. We, we have a 10 pound takedown challenge. It's a 30 day challenge. And I tell my ladies to say to their husbands, listen, I'm going to do this 30 day challenge. Will you just, will you just give me 30 days to prove it to you? It's only $47. And we asked the, we asked them to ask their spouses, can they put their junk food in a Rubbermaid bin or store it in their man cave or put it in their truck or the garage someplace where I can't get it. And, and we just like, Hey, can you come my way a little bit? They have to be willing to come your way a little bit because look, you are a partnership here. Yes, I get it. You have failed. You've started and failed and everybody's sick of it, but maybe this will be the last time. Hopefully it will. If you nourish your body on a cellular level, then you maybe won't go back to your old ways. And, and that's, spouse has got to maybe try to pack up the junk food, put it somewhere else. So it's, it's called proximity eating. And so it's out of your proximity. You're then maybe you, you won't get into it out of sight, out of mind, really. So we asked the spouse and we just have a talk with them. Listen, I'm doing this for 30 days. Let me prove it to you. Don't hound your spouse. Don't say anything. Don't give them dirty looks. Remember 93% of all communication is nonverbal. So the eye rolls, the huff and the puff, you do your thing. You don't worry about him. And let your actions, let your results speak for themselves. You got more energy, your clothes are fit and looser, you've got a clear skin, your eyes are brighter, you're happier. Then your spouse is gonna say, What's this thing you're doing? Well, I'm I'm doing meat and vegetables and stuff, you know, like you know, and and it's all it's gonna start trickling and it's gonna be easier if your spouse gets on board. But for right now, can they pack up the junk food, put it somewhere else? And can you just stick with me for 30 days and let me prove to you that I can do this? I love that. Okay. Oh, we're coming up on time. Okay. So the last question, do you have any tips for the women in, in the menopausal age to help shed some pounds? What, what can they do like without, you know, having a program or whatever, something they can try at home, the best advice you could give them? Two things that I can tell you to do that if you actually start right this second when you're hearing me, you can start feeling better as early as tomorrow morning. And it, it, ain't, it ain't sexy when I say it, but I'm telling you, I've been in this industry for 25 years and I'm telling you it works. And the first thing is your water. If you go and start drinking some water right now, it's incredible how your body is going to react. You're going to start flushing out the toxins. You're going to feel full. You're going to, it's, you're going to, it's going to help, help you go potty better. It's going to help your hair and nails grow. It's just going to be better. Better. Drinking a lot of water, it's going to keep the headaches away. It's absolutely incredible. So if you start that right now, you're going to start feeling better as early as tomorrow morning. And the second thing is turn your phone off a little earlier tonight and go to bed a little earlier. We are chronically sleep deprived in this society and we have just, we're just used to it. But when you are not, when you're sleep deprived, you crave sugar. It's just the way our bodies are created. It's not trying to hate on you. It's just trying to keep you awake. You run too low on sleep and moms don't give me that mommy martyr bullcrap attitude that it's a badge of honor that you stay up late worried about your kids. Jammies, baths, kisses, hugs, bedtime stories, everybody in bed on time tonight, mommy needs her sleep. And guys, get to sleep a little earlier. You've got to start sleeping. We say in Code Red, you ain't sleeping, you ain't losing. It's not, it doesn't matter how good your diet is. When you, your body senses the lack of sleep is stress. So if you do not sleep, nothing is going to go right. Shorten your sleep, shorten your life. You don't want any of that. So everybody in bed on time tonight. Yeah, I love that. And I can tell you personal experience, sleep, <laughs> if I don't get at least seven hours of quality sleep, quality sleep. I can't function. I start talking goofy. I, I don't make sense. I, I get kind of like anxious and I'm like, I feel like I'm discombobulated, you know, and my husband will be like, you need sleep. <laughs> Every time I'm the same way. Yeah, for sure. No yeah. Good. Sleep is huge, huge. We have a new puppy and she's doing very well, very well, great training, very well, but still she wants to get up earlier than what I normally, you know, my normal routine. So it's messing with me a little bit. So yeah, I'm hoping that ends soon, but Christy, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Amber, you guys take care. You too. Bye. Bye.